Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and thanks for joining me for the show today. Through PA the FI Way, I enjoy teaching PAs and other HCPs about the importance of pursuing financial independence and eventually reaching it to help give you more options and freedom throughout your life, treat and prevent burnout along the way as you're practicing in medicine, and live a life that you value on your own terms. On today's episode, I wanted to talk about what we can learn from the Harvard study of adult development about happiness and health. Maybe you have read about some of the findings in the study already or have watched the TED Talk about some of the key findings, but even if you're familiar already with some of the material, I think that you'll find this episode to be a good reminder of how to be both a little bit more happy and a little bit more healthy in your life. And why this information is really important is because You need to remember to invest in your health on your journey to financial independence, because otherwise, if you reach financial independence and you haven't put any time towards the different areas of health in your life, you may wind up there being both physically and mentally unhealthy and potentially down and depressed as well. If you haven't already, make sure you check out episode 19, where I talk more about investing in your health and review the six different types of health which include physical health, mental health, emotional health, social health, environmental health, and spiritual health. In this episode, I want to share a little bit more about how the study was created, some details about the study, how long it's been going on for, and I will talk about a few key takeaways, the last of which is the most important and I will spend the most amount of time on. So let's start by talking about what the Harvard Study of Adult Development is and a little bit more information about the participants in the study. So this study started way back in 1938, which was towards the end of the Great Depression. And this study recruited 724 men total. Part of the men were sophomores at Harvard College, and then the rest of them were actually boys from Boston's poorest neighborhoods. Many of them didn't even have running water. So this study is actually still going on. It's been going on for over 80 years now. And back when the study was started, the researchers started by interviewing their parents. And the boys and men grew up to be people from all walks of life, including blue-collar workers, lawyers, doctors, and even a president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. Some of the participants developed alcoholism, And a few of them even developed schizophrenia over the years. Some started really, really poor and eventually grew into positions of prestige and wealth, while others started really successfully and wealthy and then 
saw their life go downhill later in life. Over the years, every two years, researchers would ask the participants if they would still be willing to participate and fill out questionnaires, be interviewed in their homes, have their medical records reviewed, have labs done, have brain imaging completed, have their children talked to, and even have themselves being filmed talking to their wives about life and concerns and things like that. Nowadays, the studies actually include their wives and children too, but for many years it included men only. The first important key takeaway that all of you know as practicing healthcare providers is that your physical health is very important. So it's really important on a day-to-day basis to eat nutritious foods. Those foods are things like fruit and vegetables and proteins, meat, eggs, fish, nuts, cheese, etc. Also, make sure that you are trying to engage in regular exercise or movement, whether that's cardio, weightlifting, yoga, any type of movement is great for your physical and your mental health. And here's your gentle reminder to also prioritize your sleep. Many adults need about seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And it's very understandable that your sleep can fluctuate depending upon the season of life that you're in. Maybe you are a mother and you're working on having to feed your baby throughout the night. It's not uncommon for your sleep to suffer during that period of your life. But when you're able to try to get in a better routine once your life allows. The next key takeaway is that gratitude in life is very powerful. And I talked more about how to practice gratitude for a better life back in episode 95. So feel free to take a listen to that episode if you'd like more information about practicing gratitude. But much research suggests that what you think about and dwell on really affects your mood and how you feel. So practicing gratitude forces you to think about those things that you are thankful for, and that can put you in an overall better mood and help with your overall sense of well-being. The next lesson that's really important is to find your purpose in life. Ask yourself what really lights you up when you're doing those types of activities or who really lights you up when you are hanging out with them. What truly inspires you in life? What are your values in life? And what types of activities bring you fulfillment in life? If you're listening to this show, you are very likely a healthcare provider. And many of you may find fulfillment and purpose in your job trying to help your patients. At the same time, many of you may no longer find much fulfillment or purpose in your role because you are starting to feel symptoms of burnout. It's possible that switching specialties or switching to a non-clinical role may help you be able to find more purpose in your role as a healthcare provider. Others may find that doing things like volunteering or helping people in need can be really fulfilling as well. The next key takeaway is that your emotional well-being really impacts your overall health and wellness. So to help with your emotional well-being, make sure that you are prioritizing your mental health as well. If you need to take rest days, try not to feel guilty for taking those and go ahead and take them. If you feel like you need counseling or therapy, seek those out. If you feel like you need to talk to a professional about perhaps some medications to help you get the sleep that you need to help as needed for anxiety or to help with your overall mood, go ahead and have that conversation. Also, continue to try to work on prioritizing self-care and finding the different forms of self-care 
that work well for you in your life. If you're like me, you are a caregiver working in healthcare. And so you ensure that everyone around you feels like that they are taken care of and have their needs met. And you delay all of your self-care. And it can be hard for you to prioritize your own self-care. But remember that the self-care that you do helps you to be a better provider at work and a better spouse and a better parent or sibling or son or daughter to those around you and close to you in your life. In addition to making sure you're eating nutritious foods and exercising and getting the sleep that you need, as we all know, working in medicine for your overall health, it's also important to avoid smoking or using tobacco or nicotine products, as well as avoid abusing alcohol. And the final and most important key takeaway of this study is that good relationships keep us happier and healthier in life. So let's talk about what this means a little bit further. The research in the study showed us that social connections are really good for both your happiness as well as your health overall. And in fact, loneliness kills. The participants that have been connected to family, friends, and community both live longer and are happier throughout their longer lives than those who are not well-connected. Those who are instead isolated and lonely live shorter lives and are less happy overall, and their brain functioning declines sooner. And this is interesting to note because at any given time, about one in five Americans can feel lonely. And I can imagine that this was even higher back during the COVID pandemic. So many of you may be asking, well, what does it mean to be lonely? I'm around people all day, every day with my spouse, my kids, my coworkers, my patients, and yet I still feel lonely. How can that be? Well, it's because the quality of our relationships actually matter as well, not just the quantity. Just being around people in general doesn't mean that you're having a quality relationship or friendship or connection with them. In fact, those who are lonely in a relationship or a marriage, and especially those relationships that are really high conflict ones, are incredibly bad for our happiness and health overall. On the other hand, being in a satisfying relationship at age 50 actually mattered more than having good cholesterol levels for still being happy and healthy 30 years later at age 80. Additionally, in the elderly years, those who felt like they were in happy relationships felt less physical pain when they were in pain compared to those who felt lonely and not in good relationships. Additionally, as the participants aged into their 80s, if they were in securely attached relationships, their memories were sharper for a longer period of time. And another key finding that was interesting is that the relationships didn't necessarily need to be smooth, meaning that they never fought or disagreed. In fact, many of them would bicker as many elderly couples can do over time. But that bickering was actually okay as long as they felt like they could count on each other. This study showed that close relationships and connection are actually more important than money or fame or prestige. And this is your reminder that 
It's important to pursue financial independence and get to the point where you no longer have to work, whether that's at traditional retirement age or earlier in life if you choose. But having that large amount of money isn't going to matter overall for your happiness if your relationships suffer in the process. Personally, I'm not trying to reach financial independence to be able to buy more things or have this pile of money sitting there and feel like I can swim through it. Rather, my main motivation is to be able to buy back future time for myself, to be able to spend my time the way that I want, mostly with friends and family and loved ones in life. One of the leaders of the study says that loneliness is as powerful as smoking or alcoholism. So if you think how detrimental smoking is for our health or alcohol abuse, really take it to heart to foster those relationships and connections in your life. And keep in mind that this will help with both your physical and your mental health, as well as protect your brain health and cognition over time as well. So how can you practically put this information into practice to help you in your life right now? I would encourage you to try to lean into your relationships and connections with your family, friends, and community. So what could this look like? Think about all of the time you are spending on screens, whether scrolling through social media or watching TV, and instead replace some of that time with face-to-face in-person time with someone that you want to nurture the friendship or relationship with. If you are in a long-term relationship or friendship, try something new with them, enjoy an experience together, explore a new place together, take a class together, because sharing an experience and creating those memories together will help nurture that bond and friendship and relationship that you have with each other as well. I personally feel like experiences and traveling far outweigh any type of material things or possessions that money can buy. So Money is well spent on those types of experiences. Another thing that you can do is think about those friends in your life that you haven't seen for several years or even extended family members and reach out to them to connect. Even if there were perhaps some disagreements in the past, depending upon what that was and if you feel as though that could be mended, it's very reasonable to try to see if the two of you could work something out and cultivate that connection once more. And for many of you who work in medicine in person, whether at clinic or at a hospital, think about your coworkers who you very likely see almost as much or sadly often more than some of your family members. And think about if you could have a friendship with them as well to help nurture that community. Sometimes things like holiday parties or events or optional team building exercises or events might on the surface sound kind of lame or boring or something like that, but they can often be pretty fun if you end up going to them and talking to them and seeing them outside of your day-to-day workplace. And for all of my fellow introverts out there, remember that one of the key takeaways is that it's the quality of friendships, not the quantity of friendships. So don't feel a huge amount of pressure to make all of these surface level friendships in your life, but instead nurture the ones that you have on a deeper level to help with your overall happiness and health. And I encourage all of you to try to fit in more time with your family, friends, and connections in your community so your future 
healthier and happier self can thank you. If you found the information in today's episode helpful, I would encourage you to share it with a friend or a loved one or a coworker. And it would mean the world if you were to leave a rating of the podcast as well as a written review on the podcast player that you are listening to this on. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you back here soon. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.